chapter chapter 21 that thou art and the topic we're covering is i am god so just a quick recap last week's class it's very difficult for us to understand that we are the infinite self god and not this limited finite person that we believe ourselves to be. We find it difficult. And we're going to discuss why today. We're all hypnotized to believe we are this limited personality rather than God. We use the term I to mean a limited personality, a body, mind, intellect, rather than the self. I am Prabhahalai. I am Vijay Patel. It's all due to ignorance, a lack of knowledge. When one states, I am Indian, I am tall, I am Hindu, I am married, I am single, these are attributes of I. But when one states, I am God, this is very different. God is not an attribute of I. This statement means I and God are one. The example was given, rope is a snake. Snake might be six foot four inches gray in color, but it's actually a rope. It's an illusion. Rope is the snake. Snake is the rope. So being spiritual is not giving up anything in life. We can't give up what we have anyway. Very difficult for us to give anything up. It's just a mental detachment. Just have to change our sense of value in life. Right now, we value everything that is unreal. Everything that's changing, fleeting. We need to value what is permanent. What is permanent? What is permanent? Dharmesh? What is permanent? The self. The Atman in you is permanent. What's impermanent? What's changing, fleeting? Yeah. Vanita. The world. The world and your body, mind, intellect. You are not the same person you were when you were 10. Everything's changed. Anything that changes is not permanent. Only the Atman, the self, is permanent. That's our true personality. But as you go on a spiritual path, it doesn't mean you become any different as a person. Our goal in life at the moment is everyone's goal in life is name, fame, wealth. You change your focus in gaining the truths of life. That's all. Just change your focus. You may still want to earn more, get a bigger property, better car, whatever. It doesn't matter. But your focus has changed to something higher in life. The other people who people who don't have this knowledge, they don't know the purpose of life. 
So just going with the flow, fulfilling their desires, and that's it. One day they realize that they're still not happy, even though all their desires are fulfilled. This is the problem. And then they realize, well, hang on, what is it? It's too late. It's just an awareness. This knowledge gives you an awareness that you are the self, the God. And to understand that, to reach that state of oneness is the goal in life. You're just replacing your goals by, by this higher goal. And how do you achieve this? By gaining knowledge. Knowledge of the self, which helps you drop your ego. Your ego is your body, mind, intellect. And when you change your focus, it will give you a kind of fulfillment in life that you have yet to experience. When you set your goal on the knowledge of the self, you'll get a kind of fulfillment, happiness that you have yet to experience. Some of you may have felt that. Some of you may have experienced the slight change in the way you are. How? By gaining this knowledge. The attitude to life has changed. You're more happier, less agitated. This is how it functions. The more you get, the more you're happier. Any questions? Just change your focus. From the impermanent to the permanent. From the unreal to the real. That's it. And this is what you're learning to do. So we continue with where we left off last week. Dharmesh, any questions? Make sense? Vijay Okay, good. So, we're gonna, today we're going to find out what the role of God is in our life. What is the role of God? Any idea? From your perspective, what is the role of God in our life? How do we see God? Kanita? As the supreme self. Beg your pardon? As the supreme self. As the supreme self, very good. What else? How do we see what God is? What do we think God is right now? And what role does it play in our life? We're all reasonably spiritual, otherwise we wouldn't be here learning this subject. What is the role of God in life? Something you would never think of, is it? You just accept everything as it is. The role of God. Well, let's going to find out today. Rajesh, you know? Role of God. Okay. What's a human made of? Spirit and matter. So what is the spirit doing within us? What role does it play in us? We all accept now, after so many classes, we are made of the body, mind, intellect, and the Atman, the spirit. Yes? We all accept that. So how does this spirit, the self, the Atman, function in us, the human being? So to understand the role of the Atman, the self, in us, the example comparison of petrol in a car is given. This is the closest way of understanding. And if you can understand this example, Today, then you have an idea of the role of God in all human beings. Everything that we believe, it will be clarified today. So uh, we're going to start with the paragraph, you gain some idea of what you really are. Ravi. You gain some idea of what you really are, how God operates, by studying an amazing similarity between God and petrol. God, the Supreme Self, functions in beings in the same way 
as petrol in motor vehicles. Here are three points and comparisons which bring them remarkably close. One, petrol is the prime mover in all cars, but petrol does not move. It does not have a desire to go anywhere, nor a desire to avoid going. Yet no car moves without petrol. Similarly, the self, Atman, is the activating principle in all beings, but the self does not act. It has no desire to act, nor a desire to avoid action. Yet no action is possible without the self. Very interesting. Can a car move without petrol? Well, when we say petrol here, we say talking electric, diesel, any form of energy, yes? These books were written where before electricity and diesel and things were fueling cars. No car can move without petrol. Does petrol have a desire to go anywhere? You ask petrol where you want to go today, will it say anything to you? I want to go to the park, to the seaside, no. Petrol has no desire. Similarly, no human being or any animal can act, function without the spirit, the self. Is that clear? Without petrol, no car can move. Similarly, without the self, Atman, no beings can function. You can't even move your finger without the self. Your body, mind, intellect can't function without the self. But the self has no desires to move or go anywhere or to do anything. The self has no desires. Just as petrol has no desires to go anywhere, the self has no desires. Any questions? That's the first example. Is that clear? Great. So, number two. The performance level of a small car is poor. In a medium car, it is mediocre. In a big car, powerful. The performances of the three types are distinct, wide apart. Yet the petrol used in them is the same. So it is with the different personalities the self, Atman, in an illiterate, uncivilized person, is the same that it is in an intelligent, civilized person, and that in an exceptional, enlightened sage. Their caliber and conduct are distinctly different, yet the one Atman functions through them all. Depending on the car, how it was made, the engine size, each car drives, behaves differently. You all agree? How does a little three-wheeler drive? You know, the one they use in like Only Fools and Horses or a rickshaw or tuk-tuk. How does it drive? Uses petrol. How does that drive? How does a Ferrari drive? How does a little Honda drive? What about Rolls-Royce? How does a Rolls-Royce drive? Formula One car, racing car, 300 miles an hour. How does that drive? Each car drives differently, correct? Fast, slow, medium, but one thing is common. What is that? Yeah, just shout it out. All, all of them need petrol without it. All of them need petrol. Without petrol, doesn't matter what car you have, it cannot go anywhere. Petrol is the same in each car. The petrol is not responsible for how fast or slow the car drives. Correct? That depends on the car. Similarly, the same Atman self enlivens all beings. But the expression or the behavior of each person is different. A 
professor at Oxford University, a tribal person living in the jungle, same self, same Atman. Any clarifications? Does that make sense? Everyone, does that you understand? Okay, let's read the next example. A car goes off an embankment and crashes. The inmates of the car are hospitalized, while another car takes his passengers home safely. But the petrol in both cars is the same. Petrol cannot be labeled as safe or unsafe. Yet, if the first car had run out of petrol a few meters away, it would not have met with the accident. Nevertheless, Petrol cannot be held responsible for the accident, nor take credit for the safe arrival of the other car. So it is with the Atman. If a terrorist, if a terrorist, it manifests as atrocious acts of destruction, while in a sage, it manifests as divine deeds of benevolence. The Atman remains neutral responsible neither for the vice nor virtue that emanates from it. So must be a lazy, uneducated person. The terrorist who acted to perform 9-11. Albert Einstein, Mother Teresa, Swami Ramatita, brilliant people. The self is the same. A rich person or poor person, same self. Vegetarian meat eater, vegan, same self. A murderer kills people, a doctor saves people, same self. So the same self in all beings, even though behavior and expressions are different, same self is benevolent. God. Just as petrol is not responsible for a car accident, and you know, a car has an accident, everyone dies, it's not the petrol's fault. You can't say petrol is safe or unsafe. Similarly, the self is not responsible for the different quality and behavior of a person, the self is neutral. Another example. You take pure light and put it through a prism, yeah? Physicists here who studied physics. Pure light, put it through a prism. What do you get? Any idea? Yeah, Ramesh? Spectrum of colors. Spectrum of seven different colors, yeah? Similarly, the same self conditioned by the body, mind, intellect you get all these different expressions, different characters, different thoughts, different emotions, different actions. Just as petrol has no desires to go anywhere or behave in any particular way, the self has no desires to behave in any positive or negative way. That's how the self functions in us. And why are we saying this? Next paragraph is the reason. Any questions? So is it like um, energy, so you're saying petrol is the energy and like the universe of God is, is the energy almost. So but Absolutely. all the energy is the same. We all come from the source, like that all the petrol has come from one yep. source. Just like all the energy is coming from one source, and that's where the concept of oneness is that yes. kind of. Yes, absolutely. You have a choice to identify yourself as Prabha Halai, five foot seven, Asian, or I'm the self. That's up to you. Any questions? Next paragraph. 
not realizing these truths of life, diverse activities are attributed to the self, to Atman, to God. You hold God responsible for everything that happens in the world. You blame God when something goes wrong and praise God when it all goes well. You must reflect carefully over this equation between God and petrol. Get out of the colossal misconception. Understand God as merely the substrum of all activities and not hold God responsible for the variety of activities in the world. What does that mean, that paragraph? Marita? It means that um, God is not making the decisions for you. You can't blame God for the things that happen in your life. You are responsible for that because you're the one that's you're the one that's on the boat. You're navigating where you need to go, right? Yeah. And and what do people do? Blame God for the things, misfortunes of their lives. They don't blame. Absolutely. Them. Absolutely. So ignorant lack of knowledge of how God functions within us, the self. We blame God for what happens in the world. Something good happens, we praise God. Thank you, God. Bad happens, we condemn God. Why me? God, why me? Don't we? Anita? I think this is due to the misconception of what God is perceived to be in religion and in general, I think, just yeah. the understanding. Absolutely. And this is why we're learning this role of God. What is the real role of God in life? We go to temple, put money and conduct a prayer. We ask God, please let my child pass his exam. Let me win the lottery. And it doesn't happen. We say, God doesn't listen to me. Maybe I'm praying to the wrong God. Change temples, change God. This is what we're saying is, God doesn't behave in this way. We're not saying you shouldn't go and pray. But it's wrong of us to think that God will answer our prayers. With the faith you have, God will give you the strength for whatever you need to do to achieve what you want in life. God is there for you to do that. That faith will be there, the strength. But your child doesn't study for his exams and you do a prayer, he's not going to pass, is he? God only enlivens the, wor enlivens the world, the substratum of the world. God is not accountable for what goes on in the world. Another example, vague example, the ocean, how many different fishes there are, corals, etc. The substratum of the ocean is the ocean itself for all the fishes to swim around in. Big fishes eat small fishes, all sorts of things happen. The ocean is not responsible for that. The ocean is just a medium for the fishes to swim and conduct their lives. Whatever happens in the ocean happens. Similarly, God is just the substratum. It enlivens everything. Any questions? This may be a revelation for some people. Dermish. I know what we're saying is mm -hmm. right, but desires come from God. They, they mold us to think certain ways or do certain actions. So, if, if God didn't want us to do certain things, he wouldn't have given us desires. God didn't give you desires. He has, because desires come from God. So Adam and Eve, they were, they were bought, uh, God created Adam and Eve, yes? Yes. So don't eat the apple on the tree. Whatever you do, what did they do? They ate the apple. Why? Desire. Whose so desire who, was it? Who Whose desire him. was it? Did God give them the desire? He said, don't do it. 
Yeah, but, but by saying not to, you know, you get a desire to do it. <laughs> you can't turn a negative into a positive. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know, everything is infinite. God is in everything we do and everything with power. To say that, for example, we say when we die, what we do carries on in an energy form. Call it the new motor. You see, the, the, the we've covered this before, is we as human beings have free will to conduct our lives how we want. God is enlivened us. But the free will on how to conduct your life is down to you. You have a choice to create more desires. You have a choice to reduce your desires. You have a choice in everything you do. God is not responsible for your desires. You are. Just as petrol isn't responsible of how fast you put turn, you press the pedal on the accelerator. You are. You want to crash into a brick wall. Petrol says it's up to you, mate. You see? Same way. God is enlivening you. You have a way of how to live your life. It's up to you how you decide to live your life. But from the absolute perspective, yeah, from the absolute perspective, all this is unreal. Yeah? From the absolute perspective, there is no world, there is not you, there is not me, everything's just Brahman. Correct? But the problem is, you're not at that stage where you can identify with the absolute. So therefore, you have to deal with your, conduct your life under your own rules. You with me, Dharmesh? Yes. Yeah? Does, does that make sense to everyone? You have to accept you have free will. Any other questions? Yeah, so. If we're, if we're thinking about the example of petrol. Can everyone hear? It makes it really limited and actually just a functional thing. But if we're thinking about how we perceive God, if, if, for example, um, I do bow down in gratitude for everything that I have been given, mm -hmm. and I do pray and thank God for things that I have, mm -hmm. and the faith that I have that, that God exists, mm -hmm. The example of petrol doesn't sit well with me because I I do feel that there's an entity that I, I am very grateful to and I am devoted to and have faith in. Mm -hmm. And and the example of petrol is that I shouldn't. You're absolutely wrong, I'm afraid. The example of petrol is given to understand how God functions in our work, in our life. Nothing to do with faith, nothing to do with devotion, nothing to do with gratefulness, gratitude. We're only saying how God functions in our life. And we're clarifying that because, as someone mentioned, Vanita, religions have, are not making it clear how God functions in our life. So this is the clarity to be able to understand how God functions. And this is the closest we're going to be able to get to, to understand how God functions in our life. So this example is purely for us to understand that. It's nothing to do with what you're talking about. Yeah. But, but I get where Sita's coming from. It's just like, there is no God then. It's just a thing like, it's just the petrol, but 
I'm like Sidal probably, and you know, we pray, we have the gratitude, we, we thank, you know, God for, we, we want his energy to help give us strength or, or whatever. Um, but putting it in a concept of um, petrol uh, kind of maybe dilutes our faith a bit, a little bit, in a way. That's because you're taking the expanding the example to what it isn't. You understand? You have to understand the example for what it is and not take it any further, which is what you're all doing, yourself and Sittle, is taking the example and expanding it further. Just take it for what it is. How does, how does God behave in me? Yeah, we're not talking about your faith to God. We're talking about how does God behave in me? He enlivens me to be able to act. Yeah, God is not responsible for how I act. But without God, I cannot act. You take the example purely for that and that's it. Don't expand it any further. That will give you the clarity of your function, your role in life and God's role in life, in your life. Is that okay, brother? Don't think any further than that. Okay? Good. Because you're, you're then misunderstanding the example. Yeah, and we don't want that. We don't want to misunderstand the example. Just understand it for what it is. Is that okay, Prabha? Okay. Any other questions? Any other clarifications? Okay. Next paragraph. People consider it sacro-religious sacro to believe a human to be God and prefer to humble themselves to the status of bondage and limitation. They are lost in ignorance, remain blind to truth. It is false to believe yourself to be a mortal living a constricted, restricted life. You commit sin when you do not proclaim your immortal self when you deny yourself its divinity. Therefore, gather up all your courage and conviction and face the stark reality. Renounce the false world, pronounce your real self, cry out to one and all, I am God, Aham Brahma Asmi. Then we commit sin when we don't acknowledge we are the self. We're committing sin. What's sin? What is sin? Is it positive or negative? Negative. So it says we commit sin. Any idea what the repercussions are of not admitting that you're the self? Not acknowledging I am God, I am the self. What are the repercussions? What is this sin? We live in a false world. Live in a false world. Yeah. More than that. Benita? You're then not taking responsibility of your own actions for the things that happen in your life. You're blaming other people. Yeah, absolutely. But what are the results of that? What is the result of that in your life? You don't progress. You don't reach... Unhappiness. Unhappiness. Mental agitations. Physical agitations. The, the sin that you commit by not admitting that you're the self manifests as agitations that you go through life, when you go through life. Does that make sense clear, Manita? You're absolutely right, because if you are here now reading this and you feel less agitated just by this, imagine how much more freer you will be if further on, isn't it? As you establish yourself. All your agitations are because of your ignorance of the fact that not accepting that you're the self. Now, you may not have the knowledge, that's why. Or even if you have the knowledge, you may not understand it. The, the minute you acknowledge 
Aham Brahmasmi, I am the self, all agitations disappear. All of you repeat, Aham Brahmasmi, Aham Brahmasmi, I am the self. You say that a few times, the agitations will cease. I am not this limited personality, this body, mind, intellect. Aham Brahmasmi, I am the self. That's it. So, classes, all these classes is so you can do that. Yeah, so. So what if I don't believe that I am God? Mm -hmm. But I have God within me. Mm -hmm. And so does everything else. And I bow down to that. Mm -hmm. So I've got knowledge of all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm not convinced. So I believe in a God. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe that I am God as such. So what's your question? When I say Aham Brahmasmi, to me I'm saying I recognize the God within me mm -hmm. is the same God that is within you. Mm -hmm. I don't say it for I am God. Mm -hmm. So what, what what's the barrier? What's the I barrier? Have the mm -hmm. Any any idea? What's the barrier? She says she believes God is within her, but she doesn't believe that she is God. Correct? Why is that? I believe God's everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I Why is that? Because what's the barrier? That because we believe God is higher, supreme, and able to do things as we can't do that, almost, I think, is that? Okay. Anybody else? Absolutely perfect, good, perfectly good question, and everyone's in the same place. These are just words I'm saying, no one actually believes it. I won't believe it. I think no, with we, our con conditioning, we've always been taught to associate God as an external supreme being that's not part of you to us, you know, in, in a certain degree. When you start questioning that and when you start seeing you being part of that energy or Atman, then, then that's the oneness, but you've been conditioned to see it as an external item or you know, energy. Anybody else wants to add to that? Uh, not letting go of the thought that we are, our thoughts are conditioning us. So if we're free from that thought, it, you, we can tune into the higher. So it's tuning into the higher and that will make us very light in our own body and ourselves. Yeah, Do you think, why is it the ego that stops us from doing this as well because our mind is preset and our ego is telling us something different from yeah. what we believe yeah absolutely so it is your ego but in this sense is it it's an inferiority complex see when you have a big ego you have a superiority complex yeah, I am better than others. But in this case, it's an inferiority complex. God is within me. That's what it says. I believe that. But how can I be God? God is much greater. Prabhupada said God has much more powers. I am a limited person. How can I be God? This is the problem. Because of all that conditioning, God is in a temple. God is above in heaven. Yeah, God is everywhere. But we can't identify with God as being us. The next topic, yeah, will actually answer your question, so finite in infinite. How can I, a limited finite person, be God? And the next topic covers it, which we'll be covering in a, in a few minutes. So if, we, if that's okay, we'll wait, yeah?
Okay, next uh, paragraph. A man met with an accident. His new limousine was mashed. The same evening, he returned to his house and threw a party. His friends were reveling. No one knew the cause of his celebration. As the party was going on, a few were curious and inquired. The man told them what had happened. Perplexed at his reply, they asked, your new car is smashed and you are rejoicing. He nodded. You get me wrong. No doubt my car is destroyed, but I am saved. Only my vehicle is gone, but here I am hale and healthy. So this man, his limousine smashed, but he survived. So he had a party. Everyone saying, how come you're having a party? What's the celebration? Because my limousine got smashed right off, but I'm still here. What does the limousine represent? Any idea? What does the limousine represent in us, human beings? Is it the body, mind and intellect? Body, mind, intellect. He's saying, my limousine, my car is smashed, but I'm still saved. Similarly, we may lose our body, we may lose our mind, we may lose our intellect, we may die, but the self is permanent. That it will still survive, permanent in you. Please continue, Ravi. Try to get the message from this simple narrative. Examine where people focus all their attention. Everyone is glued to one's body, mind and intellect. None turns towards the self within. All you care for is your material equipments. You have no interest in the self. You saved a vehicle at the cost of your person. This is preposterous. You lose your imperishable self and hang on to the perishable matter layers. What a blunder you commit in this choice and yet you are blissfully unaware of it, much less concerned. It is a wonder that you have lost sight of your inherent divinity, forgotten your mortal self. It is a strange oblivion. Pull yourself out of this slumber. Awake, arise, assert your real self. Be yourself, you are God already. Students you identify with your body, mind, intellect, you become attached to everything, affected by everything. Every human is focused on their body, mind, intellect. None looks within. Why? Because they've forgotten who they really are. They think they are this limited personality, when actually they are the unlimited self, immortal, everlasting self, God. So this is where we have to change our focus. Change your focus from your material layers to the spiritual layers. If you identify with the self, you're objective in life. Nothing bothers you. You become a sachi, a witness to the world. The world passes you by, you're a witness. You just observe all that is going on in the world. So our mission in life is to educate ourselves with this knowledge, identify with the self while acting in the world. That's our goal. And that's what these great saints do. Any questions? Any questions on the role of God in our life? So please don't misunderstand. We don't say you shouldn't go to temple, mosque, church, wherever anyone, everyone goes. You know, that faith has to still be there. The faith gives you direction in life. It keeps you in the spiritual path. Stops you from diverting to an unspiritual path. So that's why faith is important. Please help me to 
gain this knowledge of the self. Give me the strength. How are we feeling? Ready for the next topic? Okay. So, so you believe yourself that God is within you, but you don't believe yourself to be God. Correct? Mm. Let's see what power we have within ourselves, and maybe we can explain where these powers come from. Yeah? Finite is infinite. So, God's power is everywhere but we're not able to see it. We take everything for granted. We accept everything as normal. If we sit down, analyze life, you have to come to the conclusion that there has to be something much higher, something much more powerful that is doing everything in this phenomenal world. Agree or disagree? Emma? There has to be something, a, a higher power So this next topic explores this idea of the power of God around us. The power of God within us. We're going to explore this idea. So the reference here is finite, infinite. Finite means limited, fixed. Infinite means unlimited, endless, immeasurable. Yeah? So finite means limited, infinite means unlimited. Okay, Ravi? Finite is infinite. The finite presents itself as infinite. It may sound paradoxical, absurd, but on a careful scrutiny, you find it to be true. You see infinite expression in the finite. Examine the mineral, vegetable, animal, and human kingdoms. Analyze their nature. You will arrive at the above conclusion. So we're saying we're not aware of what is going on around us. We're oblivious to it. We accept life as it is. But if we examine the world closely, we will see the endless, infinite expression in what seems a finite, limited world. Yeah. For example, in the mineral kingdom, the next paragraph, really, the mineral kingdom. The mineral kingdom is made up of matter and matter is constituted of atoms. An atom is so minute, yet packed with enormous power. The nuclear explosion speaks eloquent of that. Just imagine all the power contained in the countless atoms in matter. It seems infinite. Mineral kingdom, mountains, oceans, rocks, vegetation, everything around us is constructed of matter, atoms, yes? An atom, even though so small, it has so much power. You need a powerful microscope to be able to see an atom. But what power is in that tiny little atom? It can cause a nuclear explosion, kill millions of people, that one atom. Something so small, finite, limited, how can that display such infinite power? How is that possible? We just accepted nuclear power, nuclear war. One little atom, they split. and Look at the power that comes out of it. Something so small, finite, how can it have this infinite power? Isn't it? You all agree? Split an atom, we get nuclear, nuclear power. Okay. Next one. In the vegetable kingdom, also, there is infinite expression. A single seed can generate an endless chain of trees and seeds. Sow a seed in the earth, it grows into a tree. A tree produces numerous seeds. These seeds in turn can produce countless trees and seeds. The chain goes on endlessly. Just imagine all these emerging from one seed, a seed packed with infinite potential, infinite power. You perceive the infinite concealed in the finite. Okay. 
in the vegetable kingdom. One seed, one little apple seed, when planted, grows into a tree. It produces another seed, and this goes on endlessly. Once again, a simple seed, which seems so small, finite, but has such infinite properties. One, can, one seed can produce a whole forest. One little seed. We eat an apple, we eat the seed, and we just chew it and swallow it without thinking what power is in that one seed. Look at the size of a seed and look how large is a forest. Finite is infinite. How is that possible? How is that possible? One little seed, how can it create a forest? We don't think about it. We just take it for granted. We just accept it. This is the power of God. Animal kingdom. So it is with the animal world. The wise see the infinite portrayed in the finite. A cat produces a litter of kittens. The kittens grow up into cats. These cats again produce many more litters of kittens. Thus, the prosency goes on endlessly. Innumerable cats emanating from a single cat. Animal kingdom, one animal through mating can produce endless number of its species. How is that possible? Something so finite, limited power has actually got so much power. Cat gives litter to five kittens, which then has their own offsprings, and it goes on and on and on. Infinite power in the finite. How do you explain that? We just accept it as normal. This is what happens. But if you think about it, look at where does that power come from? Who created that? It sounds impossible. Human being. The same principle holds good for the human species too. A single human being can generate an endless progeny. You may be finite, but you display infinite potency and power. You would accept this infinite capacity in the human with respect to the past and future, but not so with regard to the present. At present, you consider yourself to be a finite being with limited power and strength. This is not so. Even with respect to your present status, you seem to possess immen immense capacity, inexhaustible potency, infinite power. As human beings, through progeny, like animals, produce endless offsprings. We also produce offsprings. See, if you think of your past, you accept, I came from my parents, parents came from their parents, etc. The future, you accept, my children will have children, their children will have children. But we accept that, but right now you feel limited. If I say to you, Sittle, right now, you are God, you say, how can I be God? You have infinite power. I say, you are God, you laugh at me. You don't believe it. But if we examine ourselves closely, we realize that we actually display infinite power and capacity. We don't realize it. Because we just take everything for granted. Some examples. Ruby, next two paragraphs, please. Think carefully. Analyze your day's activities. List them out. You woke up, had breakfast, drove to office, attended to your business, returned home, had a workout at the gym, showered, and now reading this book. Is that all? You answer, yes, that is all. Perhaps a few odd things 
I may have missed out no more. Now follow closely. You have actually done much, much more, but not aware of it. You have been executing countless activities which you do not mention. For instance, your eyes have been seeing objects. Each time you see an object, you, uh, you subject the cells in your eyes to a series of subtle actions before the sight is registered. So this next paragraph, it actually come, is taken from a scientific magazine, yeah? M. Mitchell Waldrop writes in Science 85, consider the capabilities involved in scrolling down the road, leaving aside such things as balance and coordination. You still have to see where you are going, which means you somehow have to make sense out of the ever-changing swirl of motion and color and light and shadow. To accomplish this, you have at your command roughly 100 million receptor cells, the rods and cones in the retina of each eye. The retina also contains four other layers of nerve cells. All together, the system probably makes the equivalent of 10,000 million calculations a second before the image information even gets to the optic nerve. And once the visual data reaches the brain, the cerebral cortex has more than a dozen separate vision centers in which to process it. In fact, involves some 60% of the cortex. Sorry, the line. Oh, sorry. In fact, it has been estimated that the vision in one form or another involves some 60% of the cortex. Of course, you remain blissfully unaware of all this. You simply glance across the street and say, oh, there's Sally. Just for one to see sight with their eyes is a phenomenon itself. It takes millions of chemical reactions, immense use of the brain, just to see someone and you say, oh, there's Sally without thinking what's happened within you. But we take it for granted. Who does that? How is that possible? Our mind portrays feelings, emotions, intellect thinks, reasons. Our body is a miracle in itself. How does it function? Who pushed the hair out? In the night you slept to sleep, in the morning you got hair growing, which wasn't there in the night. Who pushed that out? You were sleeping. Who pushed it out? The heart is beating 70, 80 beats a minute, pumping blood around the whole body. Who is doing it? You are. Something in you is. Food has been digested. Body is breaking it down, converting it to produce energy. The rest it discards. Who is doing that? But we're not, we're not aware of it. We just say, I went to work, came home, had dinner, watched TV and went to bed. Well, everything's going on. All these functions display infinite properties. We're not aware of it. And you say, I'm not God. Human beings can't do that. Only a higher power can do that, which is within you. Any questions? So we're just explaining the power of God within us, around us, which we're blind to. Yeah. Rabbi. All these activities emanate from you. You are responsible for them. Besides your eyes seeing, the other sense organs are also busy with their respective activities. They are again innumerable, countless. These activities are all yours. You have produced them. Furthermore, your mind entertains numberless feelings, emotions, 
you produce each one of them. So also your intellect conceives endless thoughts. You produce them all. Besides these, you are responsible for respiration and perspiration, eating and, ev and evacuate, sorry. Eating and evacuating, digestion and distribution of food, etc., etc. Countless cells in your body, hair on your skin, blood in your arteries, and veins are all functioning through you. At this very moment, you are producing infinite actions. Remember this through your life, realize this truth. What you consider as finite is actually infinite in nature. You must recognize your innate nature, discover the truth in yourself. You are not a finite, limited, constricted being as you believe yourself to be. You are infinite, you are God Almighty. That is the truth. Hold that view at any cost. Do not compromise on truth. Assert yourself. I am all, I am everything. The microcosm and the macrocosm are in me. I am infinite, God. So what we regard as finite, limited, is actually infinite in nature. You have to understand, realize that we are not this finite person we believe ourselves to be, but we're actually infinite in nature. We are God, and this is the truth. Now, you may be at a stage where you don't believe it. That is fine. Maybe at a stage where you think that makes sense. I believe it, but I'm not there yet. That's also fine. This is the journey. And when you get to the end of that journey is when you believe yourself to be God. That's the whole spiritual journey. So think about it. Think about how this world functions. Think about how you function. You chop your hair the next day, next within a month is grown. How is that possible? So that's how a human being is. Who made a human being like that? How is that possible? My hair doesn't grow, unfortunately. But, Prabhu, I see you've got long hair. You cut it, it grows again. How is that possible? So you may or may not believe it, but that's the spiritual journey. Any questions? Yeah, so. See, I'm not saying that I don't recognize what's just been read, mm. but I, I don't recognize it as I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. I recognize it as God is enabling me Mm -hmm. to do it, the Atman that I have within me is enabling me to take the breath that I'm taking right now. Yeah. I don't have that. No, I'm not, I'm not saying you do. Power, it's because of the self that's infinite yeah. in me is enabling me to function. So, absolutely. It's the Atman, God, is making you function, just as petrol enables a car to move. Yes? But the problem here is that, as we've said, you're identifying with the impermanent. You're separating yourself from your Atman, the self, the God, as two different entities. And the whole idea is that you are not this limited personality. You are the self. Now, when you get to the stage of understanding that you are the self and you believe it, that's when you realize that you are God. Until you let go of your ego, your body, mind, intellect, and understand that, only then you'll, you'll reach that goal. And that is the whole spiritual journey. That is the whole spiritual journey. You so, still identify with your ego. So are you saying that I'm not spiritual if, if I'm not saying that I'm God? No, no, we're not saying that you're not spiritual. You haven't reached that state of oneness. You haven't reached that state of self-realization that I am God. Now I believe it because I've experienced it. I've seen this illusion world for what it is, and I see myself for what I am. You're on that journey, you haven't reached that goal. Any other questions?
a lot to take in. So think about it. Uh, next week will probably be the last class of this book. And we'll be finishing. And then um, we'll be starting the Bhagavad Gita. And maybe in a couple of weeks time. Everything you've learned so far will help you to understand the Gita better. Now we'll be looking for some volunteers to help read the, some of the paragraphs in the Gita. We need about, and we'll all be chanting as well, by the way. So there's quite a lot to, of involvement. So I'll be looking for maybe four or five volunteers. Whoever wants to volunteer, they can, just to be able to read some of the paragraphs in the Gita, because there are quite a few. So feel free, think about it, if you volunteer. It, uh, and, uh, and the repercussions is that it'll help you to grow as well and develop by taking part. Ravi, any uh, positive notes or negative about you've been reading this whole book? You and uh, Dash. Um... Well, positive huh? is it's made my reading a lot better, um, understanding where to start, where to pause and that. But also it's given me the opportunity, obviously reading before the classes and reading during the classes and then seeing how it comes over. Um, it's allowed me to take in a lot more. I mean, just reading today's paragraph, it just, you know, when you say, how do you put it into daily practice? Um, these last couple of paragraphs, I said, you're limitless. As long as you believe you're limitless, you could do what you want. You know, you are the seed. You've got to start somewhere. So if you don't start, you'll never achieve what you're, you know, what you're here to do. So yeah, yeah it's been good. It's been good. I, I, I've enjoyed it. Um, hopefully, um, my reading has been, um, you know, received and it's been clear. But yeah, no, um, it is positive, definitely. Yeah, and yeah, seen a lot of changes over the years in the way I sort of address people and communicate with people and in career as well. So. Oh, there you go. Think about it. It's just reading in class, and a lot of benefits will you receive a lot of benefits from that action. And you're doing some service as well, service and sacrifice. So whoever has a, a reasonable voice, ability to read, please volunteer yourself. Yeah, the more, the better. Great. Any other questions? We'll see you all next week. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. Enjoy the